You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. It is Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. I'm pleased to have on Recovered Life Coach, Haven Joe Beck. How you doing, Haven? I'm doing great. I'm so honored to be on this show. Thank you for the invite. I am so thrilled that you are here on the show with us. Uh, this is your first time on the Recovered Life Show. So welcome, welcome to the show. Just a little brief introduction. Haven is a, a trauma-informed life coach, and she's also a certified addiction interventionist. So she uh, is also a Recovered Life Coach and deals with everything that has to do with addiction, trauma, and also leads a really amazing recovered life group on Saturdays at 8 a.m. all about disordered eating. So welcome to the show, Haven. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you. Not my first time being on the show, hearing it, but my first time being interviewed. It's so exciting. I am, I am so thrilled that you're here. You know, I wanted to talk with you today because I think a lot of people will get a benefit about disordered eating and about trauma and food addiction and recovery. And I know that a lot of people will get in maybe to recovery through alcohol and drug abuse, right? Or some other form of addiction. And then, you know, six months into it, three months into it, a year into it, they realize like, you know, I have not a great relationship with food. And a lot of people are addicted to food. And a lot of people will shift and pivot and stack their addictions. So, this episode is for everybody who's asked about this on the Recovered Life Show, wanted some insight on it. And I really want to talk with you today about this whole idea of food addiction recovery and why it's helpful to jump into it now instead of waiting till 2023. God, that's so great. The benefit of jumping into it now is that as addicts, we live in this life of as soon as. As soon as Monday happens, then I'm going to do it. As soon as the new year, then I'm going to be serious. But the problem is as soon as never happens. And so we look at it and go, what is the change I really want? And why don't I want it today? Why do I want to suffer for the next month when I could start making the changes and being that happier person, that healthier person, that saner person right now and getting out of that as soon as mentality? You know, it's interesting because I think a lot of times we talk about this moment of clarity with people who uh, have alcohol addiction, they're alcoholics, that one day they wake up, they have this brief moment of clarity that maybe it's the alcohol, right? And anybody who has been, you know, in recovery understands that whole process of kind of waking up uh, and kind of shedding off that denial. Do you know, and I think a lot of people ask, well, is this the same with food addiction? Is there that level of denial that's there telling you, no, food's not the issue, food's not the problem, it's this, it's that, it's something else, it can't be the food? Well, the problem with food addiction is that we do need food to survive. And so there will always be an element of eating where there isn't always the element of alcohol. And so there's so many cultures and so many traditions where we love through food. And so my grandma's not going to want to tell me that I have a problem with food when she gets comfort and feels loved when I eat all of her dishes. And so there's this lot, a lot of, especially with sober addicts, right? Where it's, um, you've already given up so much. 
just enjoy your food. But the problem with food addiction is that it's not just the overindulgence, but it's that our life is getting worse. And so society can approve of us eating out and eating more and soothing ourselves and treating ourselves. But for the food addict, there's a part of us that's dying and disassociating and disconnecting. And so it doesn't really matter how much society says it's okay. It's killing us inside, if not killing us physically. You're, you know what? You're so right. And it's interesting because when I know when I first got into recovery, my carbs went up. Definitely my sugar level went up. I think, you know, I've talked openly here on the Recovered Life show that my second addiction, my first addiction was escapism and my second addiction was sugar, right? It wasn't until later that I, I got turned on to alcohol. Food is that big comforter. And, you know, and, and again, like, I think that there's people who can, you know, I'm an alcoholic, but I know that there's people who can drink responsibly and have one drink and put it down or a half a glass of wine and put it down. I'm not one of those people. So how do you, how do you know Haven? Because I think this is a big thing that's like, well, I've had a life disturbance or something's happened. How do you know if you really have an issue with food addiction? What are those identifiers? Well, with food addiction, just like alcoholism, you know, sometimes there are outside things that are happening in our life that give us warning signs. And so being a pre-diabetic or um, having like gallbladder disease, having uh, issues with high blood pressure, you know, our weight can be a sign that uh, we are having a problem with food and not realizing it. Um, other indicators are knowing that we turn to food to soothe. And so we had a hard day at work. And so we're just going to let ourselves have that pint of ice cream uh, or our dinner's not complete unless we have that roll with butter. And so there are individual like binge foods that uh, we use to comfort ourselves as well as um, across the board addictive food, like you mentioned sugar. And so sugar, flour and highly processed foods create more cravings. And so just like the alcoholic can't have the sip of alcohol, for a food addict, there are parameters around food that we can abstain from. And while we do need to eat, we do not have to eat highly processed foods, uh, flour or sugar. Absolutely. You know, absolutely right. Those foods are addictive and we've learned that. You know, it's funny that over addiction, like a lot of things have not changed in addiction recovery about how to identify what the symptoms are not being able to use drugs and alcohol after you're sober, right? But some things we have learned over the last couple of years, which is how our body reacts to sugar, processed foods, these what you know, white flour, all of this stuff, right? We've learned that we don't feel good. I know for me, sugar can make me high. You know, if I eat sugar at the wrong time, right? It can give me that same uh, sensation. Now for me, it does not trigger something where I go out and drink afterwards, right? But it does put me in a position where I'm not as clear of a thinker. I'm just not as clear of a thinker, right? And we, we know that being in the here and the now with any addiction, whether it's gambling, drugs, alcohol, or food, being able to be comfortable in the here and now even is what it's all about, right? And sugar and indulging in that kind of stuff takes me out of that here and now. Absolutely. And the problem is that it is acceptable. Uh, what do we buy? You know, we buy chocolates for Valentine's Day. We take people out for nice meals. And it's a way that we show love and comfort. 
But with the food addict, it takes us out of the moment. And all of a sudden I'm thinking about when can I get more or did I eat too much? And it becomes this like physical um, barrier where I get stuck in my body and I can feel myself growing, you know, and it comes with a lot of like, not just body dysmorphia, but just like that selfishness and self-centeredness where I can't stop thinking about myself. And I'm wondering, are they going to notice if I take a second serving or do they, can they tell that my pants are cutting into me a little bit and you'll be talking about your life and talking about your son and talking about all these good things. And I'm nodding, but inside all I'm thinking about is me and I can't not do it no matter how much I want to, you know, I want to be here. I want to be a good friend, but I can't stop thinking about the food or I can't stop thinking about my body. And it is such a painful place to be. You know, you talk about trauma, you talk about family patterns when we, when we first started this episode. I, I think that a lot of people would question the title that we have. Why start it now? Because I know that if you, you know, my family has this too, where we have events based around food. They are, they're based around food in that, per, finding that, you know, the perfect dish and serving it in a perfect way. And it comes out at the right time and the whole thing, right? And a lot of the times our lives have been lost because you know, we're not really in the moment. We're really just around this ritual of food. This causes trauma for a lot of people I know. So why would you want to like, so now this is when all this happens during the holidays, right? This, the, these family traditions and stuff that I would, isn't it harder to stop during the holidays? It depends on where you're at as far as being an addict. Um, for me, it's really hard to be suffering in the food. It's really hard to be abusing myself with flour and sugar on a daily basis. And that's the hard that I'm ready to recover from. It becomes easier to start setting up the boundaries and letting my family know, like, this is how I take care of myself today. Like, I don't want to go to bed with a hurt tummy. And I will say that I love you instead of taking a second helping. And so that's like, that's the new hard. And that discomfort, that discomfort gets easier. Whilst the discomfort of being in my addiction continues to get harder. Yeah, I found that too. You know, one of the things with addiction is we were just talking about this moment of clarity. <clears throat> There's no guarantee with addiction that you're ever going to have that again, right? Like I think, you know, and, and I think, I'll, you know, what, what's interesting about this, people just say, well, I'll just wait. Hey, I have a really bad food addiction problem. And yeah, I'm diabetic and my weight's out of control and all this, other, right? And it's just ruining my life. But I'm aware of this now, but I'm just going to push this down the road because it's just, I don't want to deal with it. I don't have the quote emotional energy. I know I've told myself this, right? I don't have the emotional energy to deal with this now with everything else I have. But I think one of the things I've learned from working with other people is we're just assuming that we're going to have this moment of clarity again. I know from working with people in the drug and alcohol spaces, sometimes people don't have that moment of clarity again. Absolutely. If we could choose our start date, then every Monday that we promised ourselves we'd start the diet, we would have. And so this moment of readiness, it is such a gift. And so to plunge in and ask for help, any kind of disease, alcoholism, food addiction, um, codependency, it's a disease of isolation. And we pull away, you know, and I get trapped in my body, I get trapped in my thoughts. And this moment of clarity, all of a sudden is this connection to reality that I need to dive into. 
And what's beautiful about Recovered Life is that it is a community that accepts and understands all the different ways uh, to heal. And so when we talk about trauma and food addiction, uh, in my experience, other 12-step programs, especially the ones that I've been in, don't care about the whys. It doesn't matter why I started eating. But with trauma, the, the why absolutely matters. And so we start looking at the pain that came from any type of traumatic event, whether it was a singular event or multiple small events that built up in time, because those feelings are going to start coming up the second we put down the food. And so that's why trauma and food addiction come together so much. And with the holidays, holidays, the beauty of the clarity that comes once we're not in active addiction and we put down that flour and sugar, the power of now, like you were talking about, right? Uh, now we're there for the pretty lights and the love and the connection that, that the holidays were sort of founded on instead of this idea of overindulgence and um, bonding, trauma bonding over full bellies and uh, having overindulged ourselves. You're absolutely right. You know, I know we're just coming off Thanksgiving Haven and you had an event on Saturday. That's great. You have it every Saturday at 8 a.m., which I want to get into at the end of the uh, at the podcast here because it's so great. You talked about these other 12-step programs and I think what scares a lot of people, and I've talked with a lot of people who have been in recovery from drugs and alcohol, they've been in recovery from gambling, other things, right? But they're terrified to go down the food addiction recovery route. And they're terrified because they have to have food to live. It's not, it's not as clear as no gambling. I know when I'm gambling. I know when I'm drinking alcohol for the most part, right? Um, you know, I know if if there's drugs involved, like it's very clear cut. It's much more clear cut. Food, there's a lot of gray area. And I think people don't want to set themselves up for this really hardcore, oh, I ate this and it had this in it and I must have been relapsed, right? It's scary for people because they really don't know what those boundaries are. Well, and what's so funny, Damon, is that uh, what you're talking about is perfectionism, right? This idea of like, I can't do it at all because then I might do it wrong. And so that's why it's so wonderful to get a coach and, and create this boundary and this explanation of what does abstinence around food look like and how can we make this reasonable so that you're not failing and we find what's what's a trigger food for you. And the beautiful thing about having abstinence around food is that we stop eating the foods that make us want more. And just like alcohol is the clear cut craving, so is sugar and so is flour and some people nuts you know, but that doesn't have to be your thing, you know, but once we start eating the foods that create the cravings, we stop having the cravings. But the idea of not doing it before we stop is overwhelming and not meant to do alone. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think this whole idea of having this peer support group, which we've built in Recovered Life around disordered eating that you're running is so refreshing because it is. This whole idea of perfectionism is part of addiction. It's part of this addiction thinking, right? And I think it's the same thing, I think, with drugs and alcohol thinking. We were looking at like how much we love 12-step programs, how much we had this conversation the other day about how they really saved our lives in a lot of ways, but also how, how things have changed since the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Like this whole idea of trauma, they didn't really understand that very much in the 30s and 40s when most of the 
12 step groups were founded and were starting to roll out right through the fifties and sixties and seventies. We just didn't have this greater understanding. So we lumped a lot of things into this character defect thing, Haven, mm -hmm. like something's wrong with me. Right. And not, and later we find out that, yeah, some of it is a choice issue, right? Making bad choices. Yes. I think everybody would agree. I know I've made bad choices regarding addiction in my life, but other things were really trauma inspired. I really had no idea. I was just playing out a script that I really was unaware that I was really even playing out, you know? And I like your approach to this because with food, you have to have food to survive, right? You have to have food to survive. And yes, in America and in a lot of places in the world, we can choose what we want to eat and when we want to eat it, but not everywhere, right? Like there's budgetary restraints and things like that. It's it's there's a lot of different uh, approaches to it, and I like what you're doing because it's very compassionate in the fact. Like I always said, like if you are abstinent from drugs and alcohol, but really deep down inside you don't understand that you don't drink like the average person. That something happens when you take the ver. Really the time is really irrelevant, right? The time is irrelevant because your life isn't going to be good because you're walking around unprotected all the time. You've not really gotten to the core of what's really going on and why you were addicted. And the whys matter. You know, I grew up in old school AA. I started um, my adventure in AA when I was 14, you know, and it was very clear. The whys don't matter. Just do it. And I think that as a society, we're ready for the whys. You know, the whys do matter because as soon as I stop stuffing down my feelings, I want to know, like, how do I protect me? You know, I've taken away the way that I soothe myself. And so I've worked with hundreds, hundreds of uh, people where they get some abstinence away from the food and now they're just like an exposed nerve. And so we look at that and say, what is some other ways that we can protect you that aren't going to take you out of the moment to use your verbiage, right? Or some other ways that we can soothe ourselves without harming our future self, which is my verbiage, you know, is like, how do we take care of ourselves right now while building a better future for our future self? Because in addiction, I'll do whatever I can to take care of me right now with letting future Haven take care of the consequences, and that's led me into um, a 235 pound body that's led me into jail. You know, that type of thinking has really uh, disconnected me from the world. But being able to find a food plan and then find alternatives to really soothe instead of ignore have led me into this like amazing, healthy body and amazing, healthy life. Yeah, I your personal transformation. I'd like to talk about that for a little bit because we have a picture on your page, which we're going to put a link in the show notes so people can get to your page and see your recovered life. Your your whole physical transformation changed. Take take us back, Haven, and and tell me about that time where you got in and it really started to work for you because the before and after pictures with you, it's it's it doesn't even look like the same person. We'll have to put more up there too, because I've had so many transformations. I've got mug shots where I just look like a zombie, you know, and then I've got my 235 pounds compared to my body now, which fluctuates between 135 and 145. Um, and it was just like you said, Damon, I got sober. Um, I got sober around my 30th birthday. 
again after another, I did eight and a half years and then I relapsed and I, I have a coming up on nine years again. Um, but I didn't get sober because life was horrible. I got used to horrible. And I think that's the hard part, right? Is that I get used to it just being absolutely excruciating and that becomes my normal. But I just got tired. I got tired of getting arrested. I got tired of like finding shelter each and every night. I had no stability. And so I was just willing to try AA again. But then within six months, I had gained 65 pounds and I was at 235. And I remember taking my six month chip and driving home going like I had my car, I had my driver's license, men were like attracted to me, you know, I had my family back and it didn't matter to me. None of it mattered. And that's where like I realized that my food addiction, I couldn't ignore it, that being sober from drugs and alcohol was not enough. And I don't think that food was going to take me out physically, but the depression that surrounded it, I was ready to end my life. It was so overwhelming. And because I had a belief in transformation, um, I went and I sought more. And I think that's like, that was the turning point is that I just knew that I hadn't come that far to only come that far. This is, this is so great. And, you know, I love the approach and what you're putting together on Recovered Life. And we're going to put a link in the show notes through about this, but tell us about your Saturday program, because one of the things when we looked about doing a group on Recovered Life regarding disordered eating, I have to tell you, I was a little apprehensive because so much of what you hear about peer support is just so hardcore when it comes to, you know, really, I mean, I'm going to be honest, like I, I heard a lot of nightmare stories and I remember having a conversation with Christina Dennis, the co-host on the show here saying, look, like I don't want to, you know, the, the last thing that I want to do is have something that's negative for people who are trying to change. Right. And when I met you and heard your story and heard your approach about how you do it, I just loved it because it's a compassionate way in a peer support setting to really give people what they want, but enough room to be able for people to be able to figure it out where they feel that they're not being hammered, right? Uh, to this such a strict set of rules that they just go out because they can't handle this. They can't handle the structure of the recovery. Well, and let me tell you that the definition of abstinence is pretty black and white. It has to be just like with alcohol. Right. Um, and so it is uh, no flour, no sugar and uh, no individual binge foods. But you, I'm not expecting anybody to know how to do that yet. And you take away the things that have been soothing us. Like what happens? What do we do instead? And that's when we deal with the trauma that that we were trying to push down by eating the flour, sugar and individual binge foods. And so this idea that we talk about the trauma and we talk about the food and that there isn't any wrong way to show up. If you were eating a um, carb heavy breakfast, like full of sugar and pancakes and everything, like we still want you there because I like to use the word experiment. You know, uh, we don't have relapses in my, in my coaching or in my program, right? We have experiments and the experiment either went good or it went bad. And if the experiment didn't feel good, then we're going to try something different. And so I'll share like on Thanksgiving, I experimented by eating, standing up, serving everybody. And it felt so chaotic. And so I don't want to say I did a bad job, like taking care of myself. I had a, um, I had experiment that didn't go as good as if maybe I sat down and just relaxed, you know, and it just takes the pressure off when we just talk about like experimenting. 
and uh, figuring out what works, you know, because then I, I've never failed, you know, I've only learned something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that is so great. I think a lot of times too, is what we see Haven is that people will come in and they'll have stacked addictions. Right. And I always say like codependency is one of these things that a lot of alcoholics realize, oh my God, like I have a codependent family or I'm codependent or the people around me are codependent, right? It's something that all of a sudden they wake up and I say, you know, go to a couple of these recovered life meetings, sit in on them because they're so welcoming and you can start to kind of identify what's going to work for you and what is true, right? Like about your experience and what is not without this pressure of having to declare you're this or you're that, right? Just to say, wow, you know, this is something that maybe I need to look at and then have the ability to be able to look at it and the time to be able to do that. I know with me, I woke up one time and I said, you know what? I, and I'm not going to say that I never do this now, but a lot less than I did is that I was a big sugar abuser. And I woke up one day and I just said, you know what? This just doesn't really work for me anymore. I, I was too far down the alcohol uh, recovery period. And I'm just saying, you know what? This just does not, it just doesn't work for me anymore. I just don't, I don't like this. Like kind of what you're saying is like, I want, I need to make a change. This isn't going to work. I, I'm not going to be able to, I don't want to do this time, time and time and time again. So to be able to kind of plug into this is so great. It's such a great resource. So Haven, where, where, you know, tell us a little about when is this Saturday class? What's it called? How do they find it? Uh, if somebody's listening to this and wants to check it out and go to your disordered eating group. I suggest, highly suggest uh, signing up for the recovered life, um, dot us membership, um, in then go under meetings and I'm at 8 AM every Saturday and it deals with trauma and food addiction. And it's just such, oh, it's such a beautiful meeting. People show up there and the honesty and there's tears and there's healing and it's about food, but it's also about healing and it's about healing yeah. the trauma and the identifying. And it's already such an amazing community. Um, you can also, I highly, highly recommend, um, booking a 20 minute, um, session with me and just seeing if disordered eating is your thing, because you can have issues around food and not have it be an addiction. Like that's okay. You know? And so call me, let's talk for 20 minutes and see if this is your thing, or maybe you just need a little bit of help and guidance around like what healthy eating looks like. And I want to give that to you. And I want to give that to you for free. So book a 20 minute thing and let me help you see if disordered eating is your issue, or if you just need a little bit of help in cleaning up how you eat. And I'm happy to do either. Um, also the 30 minutes or the hour. I just think that people are really dying of food addiction and they don't realize that there is a compassionate way to heal from it. And I've done a lot of different programs to control my eating between um, numerous 12-step programs, as well as uh, paid programs that had nothing to do with the healing and it had all to do with the structure. And none of those held the compassionate hand of both like guidance, like clear boundaries. And then what do I do once I have feelings again that I used to turn to the food for? You know, and I turn to celebrate and I turn to... Um, to cry over and I turn to like show you that I loved you or I turn to show you that um, like I want your attention and affection, you know? So what do I do instead? And there's a lot of um, healing and acknowledgement. And just as soon as we acknowledge that there's something to be healed, 
then the food addiction almost becomes secondary. But make the call and make the connection because I want to help you see if this is where you should be. Absolutely. Haven, Joe, Beck, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm going to put links to how you reach her, how you can reach that 8 a.m., how you can easily get to that 8 a.m. Saturday uh, class that Haven's got. Thanks so much. We're going to have you on again uh, because I just love this conversation about, about disordered eating, about trauma. I think it's just so, it's one, it's just so informative. And I know so many people are suffering in silence out there and they just haven't found the right fit. So I hope that this is kind of a, uh, a trail to be able to get to Haven uh, because I, you know, what she's doing on Recovered Life and what she's doing in that group and in her private coaching sessions is just amazing. So Haven, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And just one more thing, do it now. No reason for you to suffer all of December. You know, if you had a pebble in your shoe, you wouldn't just wait until you got home, you know, just stop and shake it out. You know, like let the healing start right now. It's not as scary as you think it's going to be. Yes. Now is the time to make the change. If you're listening to this and you're like, you know what, this is me. I need this. Click on that link now because now is the time to make the change. Okay, go everybody go out and live your best recovered life. We'll see you on the next episode. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.